What's up, physios, and welcome to today's episode. It is called "The Death of the Midsize Clinics." Now, that is kind of a kind of a gory, like morbid title, but I have I have a prediction to make. I'm not Nostradamus, but I have my finger on the pulse of what's going on in physical therapy to some degree. I've been looking all over Facebook, and I've been looking at history and analyzing what's been going on in the past. And there's a trend that is happening, and I think if we don't wise up to it and pay attention to it, um, we're going to find ourselves in a pretty sticky spot as PTs. So in today's episode, I'm going to share with you guys how to get ahead of the changing landscape, how to get ahead of the pack when it comes to what's going on in physical therapy right now. Mid-sized clinics are dying, options are getting less, debt's hanging over your head. What do you do about it? How do you get ahead? That's coming up on today's show. Hello and welcome to the Physio Mission Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jared Cooper. This podcast is dedicated to helping young, aspiring physical therapists navigate the muddy waters of what has now become our profession. I want to help you maximize your impact, your income, and your freedom. Throughout this podcast, I'll be interviewing mentors, clinical gurus, and successful business owners who have paved the way and shown us how it's done. Along the way, I'll also be sharing with you some secrets to my own success and how I started a private practice from scratch, developed an amazing team, and built and grew it to a seven-figure business. So without further ado, let our mission begin. So historically speaking, we know that the middle class is shrinking. The middle class in America gets no tax breaks, no social assistance. It's kind of like the middle child, just stuck right there in the center. And we've all heard the statistic that 20% of the U.S. owns 99% of the wealth. The scary thing is that we're on track so that the top 1% eventually will own more than the entire middle class. That's according to Forbes. In 1989, the middle class owned 30% of the wealth. In 2016, the middle class owns 22% of the wealth. And the divide between the upper class and the lower class is getting even larger. So how does this relate to physical therapy and what's going on in PT? Well, here's the thing. If you own a extremely large practice, we're talking 50 to hundred clinics. And most of these, most of these large behemoths, these Goliaths, they are owned by corporations. They're owned by investor companies. They're not really owned by people, but nonetheless, if you're big, you will survive. And that is true throughout the economy. We see that the large companies do pretty well. And then on the tail end of that, you've got the small companies, the solo practitioners, the cash-based practices, the Davids. And those small cash-based practices are relying on a very different model than the Goliaths. And then you've got those mid-sized practices. We're talking three to four locations, maybe three to four therapists per location, doing between one and $2 million a year, something around there. And all of those practices, those are the ones that are getting bought. So that is how the Goliaths are getting bigger, is they are going around, and I was approached by one at some point in time, and they are buying up mid-sized practices, particularly mid-sized practices that accept insurance. And they then take those practices and change them around a little bit and make them part of their big juggernaut systems. And 
those mid-sized practices are just disappearing. I know in my area, I live in, in Madison, New Jersey, and around here, there used to be four or five mid-sized clinics, and now there are none. There are the small guys, the cash PT practices, the niche practices that are relying on delivering superb service one-to-one and actually making a difference for patients. They're value-driven. And there are the big companies like JAG and SportsCare and Kessler and these, these big companies that have multiple locations and are do, they're just playing a numbers game. How many patients can I push in and out of the mill so that I can earn whatever I earn per patient, don't care who gets better, who doesn't get better, so long as we keep churning the wheel. And you've got the David on one end and the Goliath on the other, and the middle is becoming completely barren. Now, why does this matter? Let's say you're a new grad and you're coming out of school and you've got to make some decisions. You've got to make decisions about what it is that you're going to do with your career in order to make a living. And more than that, you want to thrive. You want to have freedom. You want to pay off that $200,000 in debt and you want to raise a family and buy a house and own your own car and not have that back pressure of your loan for the next 20 years, following you around wherever you go like an unmarked car. That's what you want. So what are your options? Well, most new grads come out and they just get a job. They work for Goliath. They go work for one of these big companies. They're seeing four to five patients an hour. You're getting paid somewhere between 65 and 75K per year, which after taxes and after your rent and all your expenses, you got about 10 grand left. You put that 10 grand towards your 200 grand student loan and you're on track to pay it off in 20 years. And then you've got the flip side, which is you have the cash pace movement. You've got the independent proprietor, sole practitioner movement that is out there putting out a shingle. Now, the chiropractors have been doing that model forever. Very few chiropractors actually work for larger companies. Most of them just own their own place. You've seen them. You drive around in small towns, and each small town has four or five chiropractic clinics that are in little tiny buildings, kind of like baby dentist offices. And they do pretty well. I mean, chiropractic reimbursement is quite a bit nicer than ours, and they only need to spend 10 minutes with a patient in order to get the full reimbursement that they need. So they're lucky in that sense. They can, if they choose to, continue to take insurance and do pretty well. But with physical therapy, as you know, declining reimbursement, we have an issue, is that in physical therapy, we don't charge per adjustment. We charge for our time. And because we charge for our time, What happens is you have to spend more time to make more money, which means you can see fewer people. So a cash-based practice, or I should say a niche-based practice, a small practice, best option is to go cash. Take the money up front. Don't worry about the insurance companies. There's a problem. I did an episode a couple episodes ago called The Dark Side of Cash PT, and there are some obstacles. It's very difficult to sell a cash-based practice if that's your goal. It's hard to take time off because if you don't work, you don't make money. So here's the trend. Eventually, the small practices, the cash-based practices are going to figure out how to build a business around the cash-based model. 
So rather than there just being a lot of little one-man shops doing physical therapy, there are going to be larger size cash-based practices that, that have four or five therapists working underneath them. People like Aaron LeBauer and Paul Goff are out there doing that right now, and they're doing it quite well. It's very difficult to do. Why? Because you have to convince people to pay cash for a service that they can get for practically peanuts somewhere else. So you've got to make that mental transition for them. And in addition, when people get referred to a cash-based practice, oftentimes they get referred to you. You're the man. You're the woman. They want to come see you. They don't want to go see somebody that you hire to treat people. So you've got to get over that obstacle. But nonetheless, the cash-based model is beautiful. It's simple. It's elegant. It's difficult to scale, but I think that the trend is going to be that that is what is going to be happening. We're going to be getting these niche, boutique, cash-based practices, which are of small size, three to five therapists, cash only on one hand, or these in-network, inexperienced, piece-of-crap Goliaths on the other hand, and the patient's going to have to choose between the two. Now, if you're a new grad coming out, the question is, what do you focus on and how do you make a decision as far as which way you're going to go? Because the middleman, the, the middle-sized clinic is not going to exist in 10 years. There's just no way for that to occur. And the reason is, is that the mid-sized clinic, if they be, if they become a cash clinic, it's hard to become a mid-sized clinic as a cash clinic because it's hard to get the volume you need to be able to do that and to replicate it. And you can't take insurance because the reimbursement is too low to be too small. In order to take insurance and actually make any money, you need five, ten clinics. You can't do it with one or two. So the, the mid-sized clinic is disappearing because there's no way for it to survive. Kind of like the middle class in America. There's just no way to be in the middle anymore. So you're coming out of school and you have to make a decision. Am I going to open my own shingle? Am I going to try to get a job at a cash-based practice? Or am I going to go work in one of these car wash, fast food, physical therapy clinics? Now here's what you have to know. You have to know that I am on, just so you know, I am on the small side. I have 500 square feet downstairs. My teaching practice upstairs is another 500 square feet, but we don't see patients up there. And I've got two full-time therapists, part-time therapists, and I'm part-time as well. That's the size of my practice. That's on the smaller side. So when I hire a new therapist, I can't hire a decent therapist. I have to hire a great therapist. I have to hire somebody with superb skills. I have to hire somebody with a superb personality, with the right values, someone who learns really, really, really quickly, someone who's passionate, someone who understands clinical reasoning inside and out and is willing to learn and grow. That person is hard to find. That is not your run-of-the-mill practitioner. When I do interviews, I go through therapist after therapist after therapist before I find somebody that fits in the kind of person that I need. Because my practice has such a large cash pay contingent, I can't put in front of them a mediocre therapist. I can't even put in front of them a good therapist. They have to be great. Now, if you want to eat dirt and you want to go to an in-network practice and work for a Goliath, you can suck. It doesn't matter. You can be as good or as bad as you want to be. They're going to hire you either way. And if that's the direction that you want to go and you want to work your way up to middle management, maybe become a director, get 10% more money for twice the work, that's okay. 
but that's probably not you. If you're listening to this podcast, you're on the other side. You want to be really, really good at what you want to do. So here's what you need to do. You need to stop worrying about income. You need to stop worrying about income. And you have to start worrying about impact. You see, that $200,000 in debt or whatever it is for you hanging over your head makes you obsess over income, over how much money you're making. And so I've had to turn down quite a number of really good therapists because they were asking too much money. They were asking for too much money. And they could have ended up working here had they come in with a more reasonable ask. And these were not tremendously experienced therapists. I'm talking about somebody out of school for a year asking for ten dollars or $15,000 more than what the role is actually worth given the size of my practice. And that is a shame because that person ended up working at a physician-owned practice and they're going to get work to the bone. Yeah, they got ten dollars or $15,000 more but they're in a Goliath scenario. They're in a scenario where nobody cares about the patient, everybody cares about the bottom line. So instead of worrying about income, I gotta make income, I gotta get a side hustle, I gotta do this. No, slow down. If you're just out of school, you need to focus on impact. You need to focus on the question, how do I become the go-to best practitioner I can possibly be? for two reasons. Number one, if you do that and you decide to open up a shingle, when you open up that shingle, the fastest way to grow is word of mouth. The fastest way to grow. Yeah, you could learn marketing and all this stuff, but to be honest, when I opened my practice, the first six months till we got to a full schedule was 100% word of mouth, not a single bit of marketing. Word of mouth is by far the fastest way to grow. I, when I opened, was such a problem solver and you know you've heard the or you've heard this idea that like the amount of money that you make is directly correlated to the size of the problem that you solve. I focused on becoming the best solution for my patients. And because I could solve problems really well and really fast, the referrals came in faster than we could keep up. Solving problems, solving problems is how you demand more money. Because the faster and better problems you can solve, the more value that you deliver, the more money you can ask for. If you are a run-of-the-mill therapist at this point in time, and you have not improved your ability to deliver results, and you are still confused in the clinic, and you still get stuck often not knowing what to do, feeling like you need to ask for help, you are not ready to open your own practice. Because if you do, then you have to add on to trying to solve the clinical puzzle, trying to solve the business puzzle, trying to solve the marketing puzzle. It's, it can be done, but you're not going to sleep and you're not going to feel very well because you're going to be in a tremendous overwhelm. The idea is to get to the point where you're so good at delivering impact, so good at it, at solving the patient's problem and delivering value that it becomes second nature. And the moment it does that's the moment that you are ready to take the next step and open up your own practice because then you can dedicate your entire time, all your time, energy, and money to learning business and marketing and investing in your space and that kind of thing. So you can go the cash pace route or in a couple of years, you will have the opportunity to get a job at a cash-based practice rather than owning your own. Because as the cash-based practices that are opening now in a couple of years, as they grow, 
they're going to be taking on new practitioners. But they're not going to take on a run-of-the-mill practitioner. They're going to take on practitioners that are superb, people that are special. So even, even if that's where you're going, even if you don't want to open your own practice, you want to work for somebody else, but you want to work in the right kind of environment, you have to maximize your impact ability first. Screw income. Income comes when you deliver, when you deliver impact. That is so key. That's what I focused on. I didn't think about income for quite some time. Focused on impact for the first five, 10 years of my career. And the income came because I solved really big problems for people. I solved the problems that nobody else can solve. And therefore, I get tons and tons and tons of referrals. And at the very moment, we can't keep up with the number of patients that are coming in, most of whom are paying cash. So my suggestion to you, if you're a new therapist, is focus on impact. Now, here's the problem. You've heard the 10,000-hour rule, right? It takes 10,000 hours to get really good at something. It took me 15,000 hours, by the way. But it takes at least 10,000 hours to get really good at something. I don't know if that's true or not, but let's just say it takes quite some time. I think on average, for something like physical therapy and how challenging some patients can be, it takes about five years. That's tough. Who the hell wants to work for Goliath seeing four or five patients an hour for five years? I certainly don't. I only lasted working for Goliath for a year before I opened my practice because I just, I was like, this sucks. <laughs> this is not how physical therapy is done. And I knew I had to, I knew I wanted to open up my own practice anyway, because I had a business in New York City before this. But I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to be working for somebody else for three to five years. Man, I lasted, I think it was actually less than a year. And I decided to go independent. So you want to get really good. You want to get really good really fast. You want to tap into something that is known as rapid learning. Rapid learning is the ability to get really, really good at something in a really short amount of time. The person that's probably written the most about this and probably one of the people that's actually best at it is Tim Ferriss. If you look at Tim Ferriss' history, I mean, he was a martial arts champion, he was a breakdancing champion, and he learned these skills in a super short amount of time. If you actually listen to Tim's podcasts or read some of his stuff and hear his stories, he actually has mastered the art and science of getting good at something really, really fast. And as it turns out, learning quickly is a skill if you do it right. More importantly, you can learn something extremely quickly if you have a system. Once you learn a system and you execute this system, it organizes all the data in your brain, then any new information you get fits into the system. And that is essentially what I have created for physical therapists. My book that's coming out sometime mid-year 2020, called the Physio Frameworks, is essentially just four frameworks. There's one for examination, one for assessing, one for writing a treatment plan, and one for treating. It's four frameworks. And once you learn the simple system, you can treat any patient with any diagnosis with confidence really, really quickly. That is the beauty of a system. And here's what it's done for my students. I basically take students from Rutgers and Seton Hall up until very recently, and I put them through the physio frameworks. That's what I teach them. I put them through the system. And they go from having no idea what to do with the patient that's in front of them to treating like they've been out of school for five years. 
And this occurs over the process of six weeks. It's a pretty cool transformation. That is the beauty of a system. That is the beauty of the physio frameworks, is that they have the ability to take a new grad coming out with a ton of knowledge floating around their brain, disorganized, just kind of floating around. It's hard to know what to do with all the information they were, that we were given in, in DPT school. And it organizes it into a simple system that's executable, implementable over and over, and it's repeatable. So what I'm able to do with the physio frameworks is compress time compress those five years into six weeks so that you can get really, really good, really, really fast and then get your confidence, not in five years, but in six weeks. And once you develop the confidence and you're able to use a system to treat patients and deliver results over and over and over, then you move on to the next step. And that's either working for another small practice, cash-based practice, or something like, or a hybrid practice, or opening up your own shingle. Either one. But you got to be really good before you do that. I mean, that's, that's the secret. That's the key. You can stay okay, but you'll end up working for shit companies, shit bosses, and you'll have a career that wears you down and stresses you out. And I'm not just talking theory. I'm telling you what's going on in my practice. I'm telling you who I hire. I'm telling you what I see in the other cash-based practices and who they hire. You got to find somebody special. We know, we as business owners know that. And so to become somebody special, you've got to utilize a system. So the death of the mid-sized clinics isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. I actually think that the direction of healthcare is quite interesting and the patient's going to have choices between quality and volume and I think a lot of them are going to choose the quality and, and that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing because it means that the future of our business, while it's not the old model of insurance based in-network stuff, yeah, that's crap, that's going away, but the future's, the future's interesting but we have to position ourselves to capitalize on it. And you have to position yourselves to capitalize on it. And that's all about focusing on impact. And when you focus on impact, you have to focus on getting really, really good at solving really big problems for people. No matter what the diagnosis is, you have to know how to deliver. If you're in a niche, you have to know how to be the best person in your niche at doing what you do. So I hope that was helpful for you guys. I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments. We'll see you next time. If you would like to learn more about my Physio Frameworks book that's coming out mid-2020, go ahead and head over to physiosecrets.com. Get on the early notification list so you're one of the first people to know when the book is released. That's physiosecrets.com. Hope to see you there.